Shut up and sit down. Have you ever downloaded that proven funnel or tried that proven marketing strategy only to see the campaign fall flat on its face? Look, I know I've been there. I've been there before, but now after years and years of trial and error, I've actually been able to hire the right mentors, figure out what works, and now I can confidently make any campaign work because now I know the secret sauce. I've created the Guide Marketing Podcast to be able to share with you all the tips and tricks and strategies that I'm learning that really make or break a campaign. Let me guide you through the abyss of information out there. Welcome to the Guide Marketing Podcast. Everyone, welcome. I'm Zach Shanky, and I'm here with my good friend, Jesse Gilmore. Um, Jesse and I just met. <laughs> I don't know much about him. He doesn't know much about me. Um, you know, we, we kind of looked at each other's Facebook profiles and things like that, but that's about it. But I do know this based on what I saw and he's helping other agency owners as well, which is fantastic. So any of you out there looking to start that or even thinking about it on the fence, I think this interview is probably going to be pretty helpful to you. Um, so that said, Jesse, why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, totally. Um, so there's a, uh, there's something I w- want to correct real quick. I don't actually have an agency. Um, I am a coach and I'll talk a little bit about my story about that. Um, but uh, again, my name is Jesse Gilmore. I'm the founder of Niche in Control LLC um, and also of the creator of the Leverage for Growth Method. Um, basically, what I do is I focus on uh, systems, uh, business management systems within uh, businesses in order for a founder to remove themselves a bottleneck. Now, the reason on why I'm focused on agencies, marketing agencies, creative agencies, and done-for-you services is the founder usually builds a business around their skills. So uh, they might be good at SEO, they might be good at copywriting. um, And when they build uh, their business and they start building uh, support teams, they're usually built around uh, allowing that person to do that certain service. Now that's good up to about six figures or so, after <laughs> Zach's laughing because he knows, uh, but you get to a certain point where you become the bottleneck of your own growth. Now, um, I'm sure Zach's going to ask me a lot of questions about how I got into building uh, systems and why I'm focused on, on that. But, um, but the biggest thing is, is that uh, agency owners that want to continue to grow their business are going to have to decentralize their business. And uh, the focus of of figuring out a service delivery process and system, uh, marketing system and a sales system uh, is really, really important for that owner to continue to scale their business uh, past, you know, one to 5 million and and beyond. So um, that in a super short, uh, brief (laughs) snapshot is kind of what I do. Um, I work one-on-one with clients uh, and walking them through the Leverage for Growth program um, and then there's a course and a whole bunch of other stuff. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. I think, uh, man, that hit its home so hard in a few areas of uh, my agency growth because, you know, and I'm actually, I'm coaching a, a gentleman who's, who's got an agency and I'm, you know, he's got a couple clients and I'm like, stop, you know, because what we did is we focused so heavily on the sales mm-hmm. and getting the clients that all of a sudden we have a lot of work to do. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so and it was hard to, you can't really split the focus. So building the systems and processes, that's, that's so, so crucial. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, do you typically work with basically agencies that are, are around six figures or, or businesses around six figures, or do you work with people lower than that to get them to that point? Good point. Good, good question. So the need for um, the owner to decentralize usually happens when they're, they're good on the money coming in, uh, at least at the six figures for a personal income. Um, so, but the pain has to be enough to where uh, people are, you know, not able to take a vacation without bringing their work phone or laptop. You know, you got the laptop lifestyle where people are bringing, you know, their work wherever they are. <laughs> it's, it seems like a nightmare if you're working seven days a week all the time. Um, so, uh, yeah, that usually happens around, you know, um, the, the lower six figures, you know, right around like uh, a quarter of a million to a, uh, half a million. And that's the first kind of like jump. Um, and then, but I try to build them up uh, when it comes to systems where it can continue to scale um, uh, beyond to about 5 million. So anywhere from half a million around to f- uh, 5 million. Nice. Okay. Very good. Very good. So I know a lot of, a lot of my audience, um, I've got a couple that are in the six figure range, but most of them are below that. Sure. But I think guys, it's really important to know anyone that's watching or listening. Uh, if you're not at the six figure point, be prepared for the stuff that, that Jesse is going to go into because you mm-hmm. will need this. Mm-hmm. And it's always good in terms of if we're talking about visualization, manifestation, you should be ready to implement a lot of what Jesse does um, because otherwise it's going to be <laughs> a world of pain. Like mm-hmm. laptop lifestyle, it sounds great. <laughs> Let's go to the beach and work on the beach, except you're working all the time mm-hmm. every day. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, it becomes not so fun. Um, so anyway, so Jesse, yeah, I do want to go into what got you started with systems and processes and got you into that part. Totally. So um, I'm a, I've been a serial entrepreneur. Um, I started my first business when I was 20 years old. Um, back in 2006, um, seems like eternity ago. <laughs> uh, MySpace was really impo- uh, you know, a huge thing back in 2006. Uh, Facebook was just starting to be uh, a thing. And same thing with Twitter. So uh, what we ended up doing, I started a company called um, the North Coast Collective. And what we ended up doing was uh, really focused on uh, Minnesota as a state and promoting the arts and culture in Minnesota through a multimedia concert calendar. So we took 120 venue calendars, condensed them into one calendar, made band pages um, for every single one of the bands that would come through uh, the Twin Cities. And we take all their social medias and put them into a single, a single page. Something that like, obviously now you look at it, you're like, oh, that's, that's pretty simple. But we were like three or four years ahead of the, ahead of the game. Um, that business, uh, as we became more successful and, uh, you know, more promoted by the artists that really liked what we were doing, what happened was, uh, as we became more, um, successful, my hours started to increase because I had to create all these band pages. And so, uh, <laughs> behind the scenes, I'm like trying to do HTML code and all this like crazy stuff. Cause PHP, if you're a developer, uh, PHP wasn't even like a thing, uh, back then, um, so uh, as it continued to get more successful, I realized that I became the bottleneck to my own growth. So you'll start seeing that as a, as a thing. Um, after five years, we got so burnt out from uh, working in the business because we had not built a, an actual system of a business um, that we actually dissolved that business. Um, I started a second one, which is a photography business where I did uh, fine art photography. I did um, 
I was like featured artists in different uh, events and art shows around uh, the area. And with that one, um, I was able to do that on the side, but I couldn't fully automate it. Zapier was not a thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if I was gone, uh, you know, if I went on vacation, and I wasn't close to Wi-Fi for an order. Um, people would get their orders late or things like that. So uh, another theme. Uh, the third one was uh, the Do Gooders Foundation. It was a nonprofit public charity. Uh, I was a CEO for a while. Um, and I found out how to merge uh, nonprofits and uh, some of the challenges that nonprofits go through. But we, um, with that organization, we did uh, fundraisers for volunteers that wanted to uh, study abroad and do conservation work. Um, and so we would run fundraisers for them to do those programs. And most of the programs that do volunteer work abroad, um, uh, the ones that are the best are usually the most expensive. And so if they're taking care of the community and making sure it's self-sustaining rather than uh, based on their organization. Long story short, um, I merged that one. <laughs> uh, and during that period of time, I met the, the woman of my dreams and we ended up um, uh, closing down everything from Minnesota and moving to Oregon. Uh, Oregon in the U.S. if you have an international audience. Um, and in Oregon, uh, I didn't have the network uh, that I had before based in Minnesota, so I had to kind of reinvent myself. Um, I had not gone to uh, like uh, a university, so I ended up going back and completing my uh, business management uh, degree at uh, Oregon State University. Uh, during that time, I had to suck up my ego and take an internship uh, at, in uh, the human resources um, uh, department of a, a global metals manufacturer. So the same metal that goes into airplanes and spaceships and so forth, um, these, this company that I worked for uh, ended up kind of manufacturing those, either raw products or uh, finished goods. This will all relate back to your uh, comment or your question, Zach. But um, <laughs> so uh, pretty pretty quickly after um, uh, starting to work as an intern, they were like, "He's not the normal intern." So <laughs> placed me underneath uh, the the VP of HR, and we started running strategic initiatives uh, throughout this four billion dollar company. And the whole thing was based around removing single points of failure within the business when it comes to these trades. So um, if you think about uh, since the 1950s, uh, these people have been refining this product and, and refining the skill, um, and, and, but those people might be getting close to retirement. So what we had to do is we took uh, basically their whole trade and mapped it all out into a development plan from day zero all the way to position mastery um, kind of like how you do that and then built me mentorship programs and uh, training programs and documentation and how it works. So that way, when that person retires or wins a lottery, um, the business still continues to go. And uh, it went from a $4 billion uh, strategic initiative into a $137 million facility um, and kind of moved on beyond that. Now, um, I got close to the end of uh, my time where I was stopping learning, like I had learned a lot about business management systems, I realized that the things that I was learning in corporate America was what I was missing in all three of my previous businesses. So, uh, <laughs> so then I started to do some research, well, who would need systems and who needs them in a big way that's similar, but not necessarily the same as manufacturing. I'm not passionate about manufacturing. Um, <laughs> I'm passionate about people and I'm passionate about people that have gone through something similar to where, um, you know, they can't scale their business or grow their business without increasing their hours. So 
um, I did some research, found out that uh, agency owners have this issue, uh, and I started talking to some of them and started building out, what would I do if, um, if I were to do it all over again uh, with the three previous businesses, what would I do to build the system from the get-go? Um, so there are some things that your, your audience, even if you're not at the six figures, there's some things you guys can do with uh, value stream mapping and, and figuring out, uh, you know, mapping out your whole entire process, figuring out what things have to be manual, what things have to be automated, uh, and kind of going from there. So I might be able to provide some value. Yeah, this. yeah I agree. I, wow, that is an incredible story. And I actually have, I have two, two directions I want to go here. But um, I think it's actually important to note um, you said what things are manual, what things are automated. I know for a fact that when it comes to building and maintaining the relationships with you and your clients, that comes first. So mm -hmm. when it comes to outsourcing and developing these systems, the part that the founders um, typically, well, at least at first, especially early six figures, you need to be part of the relationship building process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then anyway, that's not the direction I want to go. First thing I have is, so you mentioned way back in 2006, you started this first business. Mm -hmm. Five years later, you were so burnt out that you dissolved the business. Mm -hmm. I want to know, because this is really important to know for, for a lot of early entrepreneurs is that's okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. Like your, your first business, I wouldn't say it was a flop, but it, it lasted five years. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, what was your, feelings during that time like what was it hard to do that or was it like thank goodness i just dissolved this business oh it was hard man uh that was really hard we had fallen in love with the idea of the business um which uh, especially for any early entrepreneurs uh don't fall in love with your ideas use uh figure out how to make it as objective of a decision as possible um it is good to be passionate but uh you know they, during that time, it was really hard because it was me and my brother, my oldest brother, and um, uh, he's an idea guy. He used to, um, he turned down a job to do be a think tank for uh, Deloitte. <laughs> so uh, that'll tell you a little bit about his brain. But um, anyway, yeah, working with family is a, a challenge. Uh, having something that you've invested countless amounts of hours into uh, having to be a, dissolved. Um, it took me years to actually sift for the gold. Uh, every opportunity has some type of gold um, nugget for you to learn. And um, it took me years to figure that one out. Uh, a lot of reinventing, um, a lot of challenges. But yeah, you can take that however you want to go. <laughs> but it was, it was probably one of the hardest times for sure. Yeah, yeah that's, see, and that's, and it's interesting now, right? Because now we're, we're talking, you know, nine years later and um, looking back at it, you're just kind of like, that just, that happened for me. That was, there was a reason for it. Mm -hmm. And looking back, it's not so bad, you know, <laughs> things yeah. worked out. And I think that's the, the thing that people tend to forget because look, business is going to get hard, right? There's, there's going to be moments, there's going to be better months and really bad months. And mm. You know, I think it's one of the things that I've learned is, is like last year was really hard for me. I, I ran into a few options, uh, bad financial decisions and, and things like that with business. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like now this year, if I ever have any kind of snag or hiccup, I just look back and I'm like, look, this happened before. 
right? Like, mm. and it, it all worked out. It's all fine, you know? So it's just, I like that. I, I like hearing that kind of thing. You know, there's all sorts of influencers that'll tell you that they're on their, you know, 30th business and stuff like that. I mean, that's just, that's just it. You learn from every single one. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. Very cool. So, so now you're into systems and stuff and you were looking at what business could use this new, this new opportunity that you discovered mm-hmm. and you found agencies mm-hmm. kind of fit the, fit the mold, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, I guess my, my what was it I was going to ask about that? So, hmm. I guess, so you have, you, you've not, you don't have an agency. You just saw that there's a bunch of systems. Pro- oh, I remember. You, so you, did you just dive in and start selling a system services or did you get some guinea pigs to kind of start out? Guinea pigs. Okay. Guinea pigs and lots of research. Um, uh, I spent almost nine months learning the industry of uh, coaching, information products, uh, and agencies as, as a whole. Um, how how they're grown as usually an organically grown business, which is very similar to the way that uh, my first three businesses were. It was kind of like, oh, I do this service. Oh, do you need it? Oh, you like what I'm doing? Now you want me to do it as a job? Okay, I'll try that on the side and then slowly becomes a business. Um, But yeah, nine months of research, testing different things, talking with uh, agency owners. And then um, something that really changed uh, was when I actually talked with a director of operations for a custom travel agency. Um, and that became like the ideal client was what, what that person was going through. But, um, I see. yeah. So, so you got a bunch of Guinea pigs, well, some Guinea pigs to help. So you can test out your, your new idea here and see what kind of results you can get and then use those as case studies or testimonials and things like that. Yep. What did you do during that, those nine months for cash flow? Good question. So I've always had, um, I've always started off my entrepreneurial ventures, uh, starting it off as a side business. Um, so I, I still worked for the metals company. Uh, I figured out how to decentralize my project teams. Um, if you guys ever go to my website and, and look at the value video, it'll talk about how I used to be the centralized person for all the projects that I worked on. And then um, I took the things that I was teaching on a macro level and brought it into my project teams. And then I was like, holy crap, I can, I can work in these projects for like eight hours a week and start a consulting business. <laughs> so um, so then what they tell you on like this huge level, I was like, oh, I really want to do that with my project teams and then start empowering them, giving them opportunities for developments like that. So um, I see. So, okay. Yeah. And I think that's important too, because one, you know, one of the things that I, I, I get a lot of complaints of people <laughs> that still have jobs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of their concerns is I just don't have time mm-hmm. to really dive deep into the, into the side hustle or into mm-hmm. whatever marketing that they want to do. Um, and I, I, I always try to tell them like, you don't understand, like you, you have cash flow right now, mm-hmm. like use this time, use your time wisely so that mm-hmm. you can build it, um, on the side, unlike me. So three months after starting an affiliate marketing business, I quit my job mm-hmm. <laughs> where I was, I was making six figures and mm-hmm. uh, that was hard. That, I mean, at first I was so happy and then I was like, 
crap. <laughs> what, do I, what do I do now? Um, so it became very difficult, you know? And so yeah. I just, I think that's really good to note because you're not the only one. A vast majority of successful business owners, they had a job while they were mm-hmm. doing their side hustle mm-hmm. and kind of tested the waters to see if it was a viable business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just to, just to piggyback on that, Zach, I think that is crucial um, to, because there's a couple different things. So if you make the jump like Zach did, um, you'll get to a point where when you have a sales call, you feel desperate mm. and it comes across as desperate because you're going, uh, are you ready to sign up or what's, you know? yeah. uh, as opposed to just being like, you know, I have a lot to, lot to offer. Uh, it's up to you if you want to make that decision. And that indifference in a sales call really, really changes the game, which can happen if you have cash flow like Zach's saying. I agree 100%. It's, it's all about filling that part of your mind, um, you know, so you're not reaching out out of desperation and you can focus on the service, mm-hmm. on the fulfillment, on what you actually want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I agree with that 100%. So let's go into some of these things. So you, you mentioned a couple of processes that you have. Um, oh, what did you call it? Tell me Value what the, stream mapping. Yeah. What is that? So, uh, it's making whatever you're working on a process visible uh, from a high level and then diving into the tasks for it. So um, just as a, as a quick background, um, I'm certified as two different project managers. Uh, one that's based around if you do a lot of planning involved um, as a project management professional PMP, if you ever see that. Um, and then there's an agile version where um, if you don't know, an un- if you have an unknown result or path, how to get there uh, through small iterations. So um, with that, that's taught me how to make a process as visible as humanly possible. So just name a process like what, like uh, client acquisition, trying to figure out how you, okay. So what you do uh, with value stream mapping is uh, you can use something as simple as like little post-it notes and basically just map out what it needs to happen first. Okay, well, there needs to be some contact uh, made. And then right afterwards, what's the next big process? And you kind of map it all out to where um, from the start of a client, client uh, getting to know about your service all the way to uh, you signing them up and they have uh, their first you know, contract being signed. Um, you map it all out and then list underneath them what you need for every single part to move from one process to the next. And once you've mapped it out, then um, figure out what things are custom to the client. So what needs to be uh, specific to them and their needs, and then what things are are the same for every single client. Um, And the things that are the same for every single client, you standardize so that way you don't have to think about every single thing. So um, that's value stream mapping is usually based around products, um, but bringing that into a service-based business uh, really changes the game, especially if you're uh, getting to a point where you're trying to delegate with a, a virtual assistant or whatever. If you just map it all out, then it's a lot easier for you to know, okay, I had brought on five new clients. Holy cow, I got a lot of work. Like you were saying, <laughs> I got a lot of work I got to do. Um, where is every client in their process? Uh, yeah. That's what value stream mapping does. Um, it, it allows you to visibly see it. So you can go, okay, I got to move this guy over here. What do I need to do? You know. Um, this company is over here. Okay. What do I got to do? Got it. So like if we were to look at, for example, building a funnel or something like that, I mean, essentially we would need to get, get all the assets from the client, like pictures, branding, Mm -hmm. stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And then, 
uh, the funnel build itself, and then there's integrations with whatever software needs to be integrated. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what you're saying. So the overall thing is building the funnel, but then you have kind of these tasks to make sure that happens. Precisely. Um, wow, that's pretty fantastic. Do you have a, do you recommend any kind of software to manage all that? Uh, yeah, um, if you want a free one that's actually used um, uh, throughout uh, agency owners a lot, uh, Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O, um, that's pretty simple. It's just a Kanban task board uh, version where you basically it's a digital version of post notes <laughs> moving throughout the whole process. Um, and then uh, different ways of making that automated is once you've standardized it, um, linking that with Zapier and then whatever you're trying to do with forms and stuff like that. So as it, you move a card, it automates you know, parts of it, uh, which you've probably seen in some ads and whatever, but, um, but it all comes from value stream mapping. So. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, we, I think we use Asana, yeah. And yeah. so I think what I like the most is kind of a timeline view, like a Gantt chart. Mm -hmm. um, for me, that, that's just the way my brain works, but other sure. people like the Trello board and Asana has something similar. Um, you know, that works too. And that's what we started with was Trello. And then we mm -hmm. moved to Asana so I can get a Gantt chart. Yeah, <laughs> so, <totally. laughs> yeah and um, there's, there's another one called Rike, which is a W-R-I-K-E.com. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's tons of project management uh, softwares out there. Um, just, um, just try whatever works out best for you. you I'm know? actually familiar with Rike. Uh, my last job, uh, we used Rike quite a bit. So Hell yeah, yep. cool. Well, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, well, I think we're going to wrap it up here, Jesse, but do you have, I guess, any, any last, any last words, any words of advice for, for a, a beginner entrepreneur? Totally. Absolutely. So first off, um, yeah, I have a couple of things. Thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, so first off, uh, don't fall in love with the idea of, uh, being a business owner, try to make things as objective as humanly possible. So, um, figure out what metrics you're using, uh, you know, t talk with Zach about, you know, what, what works for him and his agency um, when it comes to making objective decisions. That's number one. Um, second thing would be is uh, when you're figuring out, like we were talking a lot about process, which is really good. Um, start off by mapping it out. You know, you can either use the Trello or, you know, project management softwares if you're used to the, the digital version, or if you have some post-it notes <laughs> in a whiteboard, you can rock it out. Um, but just map out uh, and start with your service delivery. So service delivery talks about client acquisition, uh, client delivery, and then, you know, based on whatever uh, type of service you're trying to give them, map it all out based around what information needs to be taken into account for them to move from point A to point B, point C, point C, or point B. Um, and uh, once it's mapped out, figure out what's the same for every single client uh, and then use the Trello, uh, Trello is, uh, or Asana um, mm -hmm. to be able to visibly map it. So that way, when you get more clients, you're able to stay organized. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that would be my, my second thing. And the third thing is, um, look out for uh, people that can help you. So um, there is so many different uh, things that I would have done if I would have just asked for help when I was first starting off. Uh, I would have been more transparent. I would have made more objective decisions. I would have learned from people like uh, Zach that um, have gone through what you're going through and uh, continue to ask for help. Because even at every single level, uh, there is always going to be somebody uh, that can help you to get to the next level and we can't do it all ourselves. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Jesse, what's a good way for people to get in touch with you or to check out your services? Totally. Uh, so you can go to my website at niche in control. Uh, I'll send uh, Zach the link so he can put it in. Um, I'm active on uh, LinkedIn uh, as well. I do micro learnings, uh, kind of two minute uh, based learnings uh, pretty often. And then I'm starting up a brand new Facebook group um, uh, that is all based around agency scaling two, six and seven figures. So uh, that might be a good group for some of your uh, your community yeah. to get into um, where you can start building systems before you actually uh, are at the burnout stage. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I'll send, Zach, I'll send you all the, the links so you can post them. That'd be great. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jesse. I really appreciate it. And uh, guys, if you have questions, reach out to him, go through the links. And um, thanks, Jesse. We'll see you. Yeah, ya. absolutely. Thank you so much.